0: A guest speaker. He's a powerful man of God. You might have heard of him. Oh, no. It's such a privilege to have back in the house Pastors Brad and Sarah. And we get to hear what I can only assume is going to be a powerful word from Pastor Brad. So let's welcome him up. Thank you, man. That was hilarious. Yes, last week was our first week. Uh, on holiday, extended holiday for a year, Um, and we missed you guys so much. We just had to come back this week. Amen. So, uh, hey, look, on that, before we get into the Word, uh, which I'm excited to bring this morning, first of all, I want to honour Senior Pastors Greg and Julie and the Leadership Team for welcoming us back and having us here today. So they're in New Zealand. I hear they have a great Two weeks of ministry, are uh, there prophesying into businesses and governments and doing workshops and speaking in churches. And so uh, they're going to be back uh, very soon. I think they're going to be back next Sunday. So uh, that's great. Hey, um, before we get the Word, Chris was talking about 24 hours of prayer. And I want to let you know that you should uh, definitely sign up for that. Uh, Sarah and I, in our very first church that we were being raised up in, uh, we had a similar type of event. And at that event, not that this should be your motivation, people, but at that event, that's kind of where we started courting, right? Amen. We'd been praying with other people in the church in the wee hours of the morning, and then we were all delirious. We went into the cafe, and I think we made ourselves an instant coffee. We started talking, and yeah, now what? How many would be married 14 years uh, this month? Come out of this month, married 14 years. Um, but then we dated for and courted for a total of three years, yeah, so a total of 17 years, from that moment. So you never know miracles can happen at 24hour,? Right? But that shouldn't be your motivation, okay? Turn the person next to you and say, "That's not my motivation to find my future partner." <laughs> my motivation is to seek God. Amen. All right. So uh, cool. Uh, this morning, I want to bring a word on extraordinary dreams and uh, as i was preparing uh, this word for this house this morning i really sensed the lord wanted to encourage this particular congregation that it is a uh it's a strategic time to dream and to uh, either revisit old dreams or to position yourself to dream new dreams And uh, I'm standing here before you as someone who, you know, has been very much someone who had to grab a hold of God in their first seasons as a Christian. I had to grab a hold of God and I had to deal with an issue in my identity. And the issue in my identity was that I didn't really believe that God wanted me to do well in life. Uh, I kind of sensed that God wanted other people to do well in life and that he wanted to pour his blessing upon other people. Uh, But I struggled with uh, owning that uh, revelation myself. I remember having a one-on-one with my pastor at the time saying, I'm really struggling with something. I just struggle with the idea that God would want me to do well or for a dream that I have that God would be on it and in it. And he kind of shook his head just going, really? You you struggle with that? I can't believe that. You seem confident. You seem into God. And I was confident in some of the things of God. And I was confident about what God could do with other people. But when it came to actually believing God for a dream that he and I would have together for our life, I struggled with that. And so I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are in whatever season of your life, that the God that we worship is always going to encourage us to be dreamers, to believe for what God has for us. So I want to go through some teaching today to help us to either revive that or refresh that, because if we're not dreaming, if we're not working and believing for something that God is doing in our life that's fresh and new, that's when we get stale, that's when we get stuck into religion, we get, we get bored of life, we can even get bored of God Right? Who knows that you can sometimes get bored of the whole concept of God and what Jesus, who he is and what he's done for you. You can kind of get a little bit familiar with it. And so it's important that I believe one of the fuels that God wants us to use is the fact that he wants us to keep being in that dream realm. Everyone say amen to that. So let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere in this place. I pray and decree, Lord, that you would move among this word. You would move through it, Lord. Your anointing, Lord, would speak into people's hearts. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a resurgence of dreaming. I thank you, Lord, that every single person here this morning is called to be a dream carrier. I thank you, Lord, that you're going to break off limitations upon people's lives today. Lord, let your word do a work in people's thinking, in their thought life, let it go deep into their identity. Entity. Help us to shake off those things that would hinder us and think that this is uh this is where it's at, this is always where it's gonna be. Look, I break off containment and I thank the Lord for advancement in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so extraordinary dreams. First of all, we know that. The God that we worship uh, encourages us to be a dreamer, to dream big. And uh, the key text I want to focus in on today comes from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. If we can have a look at that one. Let's read it together. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or dream, according to His power that works in us. I love this scripture because like my it kind of fits my personality i'm not someone who is quite concise when i communicate i like using adjectives and commas i like to what i call expound on things and i think this scripture nicely expounds on things it doesn't just say god is able to uh you know make your dream come to pass no it says god is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or dream according to his power that works in us now what i like about that is It says, above all that we ask or dream. And today we're going to look at the fact that it's not just a God thing and it's not just our dream, but there's a partnership around how we dream and invite God into that dream that's important for us to catch this morning. But it's according to His power that works in us. Even that second scripture, a second part of the scripture, according to His power that works in us. So His power that works in us. Everyone say His. Everyone say us. So again, the second half of the scripture, the first half, says able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or dream. So it's about us participating, uh, but it's also about God also participating. It's a partnership. Everyone say partnership. And so this is important because sometimes when we dream in our own strength or we try to come up with what we want to do you know we we feel over a period of time we feel flat we feel like we're falling short it's not hitting the mark you know should I keep believing but also sometimes we can over super spiritualize things and we can just say it's all about God's idea and God's dream and I've got no uh, participation in that at all I've just got to wait around for when you know the big vision drops out the cloud knocks me on the head and then it's written in a 360 page document that I pick up and go great this is God's dream for my life who knows that we can actually be imbalanced who knows that we can either be waiting super spiritually for God to do all of the work or we can sometimes go the other way and try to do it all in our own strength it's a partnership it's a balance everyone say balance and so I want to kind of frame today the message around the importance of uh, it being a balance so vision God's extraordinary dreams for you God has placed within our heart hopes and dreams that he wants to fulfill for us so what are your hopes and dreams For this season or for your life i want you to think about dreams as not just this season it can be but also extended seasons for the next five years the next 10 years for from now until the rest of your life what are your hopes and dreams for your life for your relationships for your family i want you to think right now if you had to I'm not going to get anyone anyone to do that. We don't want to embarrass anyone today. We all get to sit comfortably and listen into this message. But if I asked you to stand up and to describe what your dreams are for your life, how effectively would you be able to communicate those? My other question is, how clear are those in your heart? Sometimes I think what can happen, even as Christians, where we have the very God who is alive, living on the inside of us. Come on now. You know, we claim to have Jesus who rose from the dead. The same spirit that rose from the dead is living inside of us. Who knows that sometimes we claim that, but we don't necessarily live that. And so if I've got the very God that defeated death and sin living on the inside of me, who knows that I should be someone who's carrying a dream? Come on. I'm carrying a plan or a purpose that uh, pulls on more than my own strength. And it needs to be something of a sense of, of, of the impossible on the inside of me. And we have to protect that. And so what's important is I want you to think about how well could you articulate that. I've even been challenged this morning and uh, going over this message and this week, thinking about this season that our family's in right now and, and what we're hoping and what we're believing for and what we're dreaming for. And God's really said to me just this week, he said, Brad, you need to shake things up a little bit. Come on now, you need to get back to that fresh position, that fresh place of dreaming with that cutting edge hope and expectation that God is going to move, God is gonna partner with me. Uh, even people who've had dreams before in the past come to fruition or come uh, to a manifestation, they can get you know a little bit you know, laxadaisy or a little bit lazy, so to speak, around dreaming. And so I wanna encourage you this morning that we've gotta make sure we keep this front of mind. So what is a dream? First of all, I want to go to uh, a definition here. Who here here has heard of John Maxwell, right? He used to be a a senior pastor for years and then went into leadership teaching and coaching. And so he has a, a particular quote here. First of all, a dream is a condition or achievement that is longed for an aspiration. We kind of get that. But he specifically has a quote here that I like. It says, a dream is an inspiring picture of the future that energizes your mind, your will, and your emotions. Can everyone look at the word mind, will, and emotions? Everyone look at those three words, mind, will, and emotions. Why I want to hone in on there is because that right there is the definition of your soul. Everyone say, my soul. So who knows that your spirit is born again? When you're a Christian, the Bible says that your spirit is born again. Put up your hand if you know that and you believe that in your heart, okay? Okay. Uh, If you don't know that or believe that, we'll have an opportunity at the end of this message to hopefully bring you into that revelation. Amen. All right. But your spirit is born again, which means that your spirit is in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Right. Your spirit is one in unity with the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of dealt with. Everyone say it's dealt with. What we have to keep working on is taking our soul realm, our mind, our will and emotions and getting it to partner with our spirit. Right. Right. And not to actually lean towards the flesh realm, okay? And so whenever you think about all the things that we talk about in church life and encouraging you to press into God and to worship and pray and to get a plan and and hear from God and hear the voice of God and write things down and keep praying and believing and stepping into God's promises and you're tithing and you put your offerings in and everything that we do as men and women of God in the church today usually is about investing into getting our soul some part or portion of our soul to partner with our spirit so your spirit actually is in good nick right but it's the soul realm that has to partner with the spirit now your spirit or obviously can get out of nick if you don't spend any time with god you don't invest any time in the word we get that it feeds the spirit but the soul realm is really where the biggest battle in the body of christ is and when we talk about the body of christ you're a member of the body of christ you're part of the body of christ and so when we say the battle of the soul ...is in the body of Christ, we're also saying the battle of the soul is within you, right? And so we're going to get the soul to align to our spirit. So it says here, A dream is an inspiring picture of the future that energizes your mind, will, and emotions... ...empowering you to do everything you can to achieve it. Empowering you to do everything you can to achieve it. Do you have a fresh dream in your heart? Do you have a fresh focus around what you're working towards... This is what we have to think about. I want you to not focus on me talking right now. I want everyone just to close your eyes just for a moment, if you can do that. Just close your eyes. And I want you to think about how clear is there a dream in your life that's active, meaning how much does your soul focus on the importance of working towards that thing happening? that God dream that God's given you. I want you to think between 1 to 10. Let's say 10 is 100%, 1 is the opposite. What number would you use to describe what level of clarity is that dream in your heart, in your mind, in that sense of emotion or that sense of willingness that you have in terms of committing towards it? Go ahead and self-evaluate right now and think, where am I at in my dream life? Where am I at in actually owning a clear vision and believing, God, God, this is where you're going to move. This is where you're going to help to position me for my life, for my relationships, for my family, for my calling. Okay, everyone open up your eyes. I want you to turn to the person next to you and just quickly share what number you came up with. Just the person next to you. It's okay. Not the whole church just the person next to you, just share very quickly with the person next to you, what was the number that you came up with? How clear were you in your mind? And that's what we're talking about this morning, is we've got to keep fighting for the clarity, and I want to encourage everyone around that. So let's have a look here. The big idea of this message is I want to focus in on a story in the Bible around Joseph. Many of you have, have uh, read this story before. There's a whole musical around uh, Joseph and the Technicolor dream coat. Notice they call it a dream coat because it's all about the story of Joseph being a dreamer. And we want to look at this story this morning and we want to look at some key principles. We're going to look at some key principles around the importance of dreaming. Uh, what we've got to do to manage our expectation when we give ourselves permission to dream God's dreams for our life. But we're going to finish off this message again very practically this morning because I want it to be long-lasting teaching that's going to positively impact your life in this season. And we're going to look at 10 questions we should ask ourselves when it comes to effectively looking at the health of our dream life right now. Is there anyone here who's remotely interested in what we're going to cover today? Okay. Okay. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm not just going to listen. I'm going to allow the word to activate in my life this morning. Turn to the person next to you and say that. I'm not just going to listen to a sermon today. I'm going to allow the word to be activated in my life. <laughs> Amen. All right. So we're going to do this together, okay? We're going to do this together. So we've defined, we know what a dream is, right? We're clear on that. But what I want to do is the life of Joseph is an example for us to all look at to help us to realize how we can see all of our dreams or what we can do when it comes to dreaming effectively and our hopes and our desires how do we help those things to become a reality just recently probably the the month of February I've spent a lot of time in the marketplace Uh, you know Christians would probably call it ministering in the marketplace Uh, non-Christians call it teaching training coaching Uh, But I believe that because I carry an anointing, I get to have a kingdom purpose in what I do in the marketplace. But for the whole month of February, uh, I think I've been to Sydney, Melbourne, New Zealand, and then back to Sydney again, uh, doing various workshops in different companies. And the underlying theme of all of these messages with people in the marketplace, not just in terms of their career, but also about their life, was about helping people. This was the underlying theme. Helping people... Not to stay or permanently live in the land of mediocrity. I'm going to say that again. The underlying theme in everything that I was teaching people was to help them not to stay or be positioned living in the land of mediocrity. Everyone say mediocrity. Mediocrity. Now I want to stand here before you as a fellow Christian and say I'm even more passionate about encouraging Christians not to live in the land of mediocrity. What do we mean by that? Well, if we translate it to how this relates to this message, I want to encourage you, don't live in a place in your spirituality in relation to the promises of the Bible and say, the promises of the Bible are exciting, they're extraordinary, but they're untouchable for me. I don't want you to be someone who keeps thinking the promises of the Bible are untouchable for you. Because what that means is as if you've made a decision in your Christianity, to not go after the very promises that Jesus died on the cross for you to go after for? Is anyone here challenged yet? I want to say that again. I don't want you to be in a place where you make a decision that you are not going to go after the promises of God for your life. I'm going to say it again. I never want you to be in a long-term decision. You might have moments when you think it. Come on now, you might have moments where you believe it. You might have moments when you make that decision. This is all too hard. I'm not going to go up. But I want to say to you this morning, don't make a permanent decision to decide I'm not going to go after the promises of God for my life. So if I can get really practical for you, to keep on that dream realm, to keep in that place of dreaming, God wants you to keep dreaming. God wants you to be a person who's carrying a dream in this season of your life, because he's saying, I have died for you. I prayed the greatest price to get you out of a place of being constantly defeated, bringing you into a place of victory, not just for the idea of eternal life, but I want you to go after God is your cheerleader. Do you know that? God is wanting you to go after his promises. God wants you to chase it. God wants you to have a desire within you to be someone who dreams. And so we're going to look at the story of Joseph. So Joseph's story, um, we know the background in the book of Genesis tells us the story of, we have a quick snapshot of Genesis, the story of creation and then the fall of man. And then came the flood to kind of clean up all the mess. Everyone say, my life is messy, but God still calls me to dream. And so we know that life was messy, the fallen man, he cleaned it up with the flood, and then the nation of Israel was birthed, and in that part of the Old Testament, it chronicles the stories of the patriarchs, so Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, when we look at Genesis chapter 37, if you've got your Bibles here or your digital Bibles here, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 to 5. And I'm going to read through that now. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan. So this is the the story of Joseph. So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived. This is the history of Jacob's family. And when Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks with his half-brothers. Everyone say blended family. Blended family is not just the 20th and 21st century. They were a blended family, folks. Everyone say life is messy. Okay. So they had a blended family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks with his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhar and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. He was telling on his brothers. Verse 3, now Jacob, does, that, does anyone have a family where that happens? Now, verse 3, now Jacob loved Joseph more than any, other, than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So Joseph had love and favor from his father. Everyone say love and favor from my father. So one day he gave Joseph a special gift, a beautiful robe or coat of many colors. Verse 4, but his brothers hated Joseph Because of their father's partiality, they couldn't say a kind word to him. Verse 5: One night, Joseph had a dream and promptly reported the details to his brothers, causing them to hate him even more. We're going to get into more details about the dream and how we can learn from that in a moment. But the first thing I want to highlight here, the first point of today's message, is God wants us to dream big dreams. God just doesn't want us to have little tiny dreams. Uh, he wants us to have a big dream or he wants us to have big dreams. We know in verse 5 that Joseph was a dreamer. So the scripture that we just looked at said Joseph was a dreamer. And we know in Jeremiah 29, 11, very well famous scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. And so if, you give, if you've given up on dreams or dreaming... I want to encourage you, it's time to dream again because God will always encourage you to be a dreamer. God's calling you to be a dreamer. God's saying, I don't want you to give up and going after my promises. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but where dreams come true, there is life and joy. Now we know the Proverbs is the book of wisdom. We know God is a God of wisdom. And so again... About three minutes ago, I said one of the greatest challenges in the body of Christ, and you're a member of the body of Christ, one of the greatest challenges is the constant fight within the soul realm. The constant battle of your soul against your spirit. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Who knows that there's an epidemic of mental health out there in the Western world? Put up your hand and wave at me if you know that that's true. Right? You just have to be on social media for half a day and you can see that. And so but in in Christianity we know that there is a real battle for our soul because if you can get victory over that battle and if you can get your mind and if you can get your emotions and if you can get your will your willingness your commitment to align with your spirit where your spirit is born again and to partner with the holy spirit and is is a believer of the word and if you can get your mind your will and your emotions to say and believe and to decide, I am a dreamer. I'm called to dream. I'm called to be a dream carrier. And even if I feel like there's a dent or a blunt on my dreaming from the last season, I am called to sharpen that dream. Or I am called to go into the presence of my God and to get a new dream because I am not someone who's supposed to just go day to day, week to week, Year from year, just kind of doing the same old thing. No, I'm going after the promises. I'm a dream carrier. I've got to sharpen that dream. I've got to have clarity around what I'm called to do, where I'm going, what it is that God wants for me. I'm going to be a dream carrier. And God wants us to dream big dreams. Who knows that sometimes in life we feel a little bit like, well, I don't want to really believe something big for my life because what if it doesn't happen and the, the disappointment is the pain of the disappointment may be greater than the discipline or frustration of having to dream up some big dream. Who's ever thought that before? Come on, let's be honest, right? I know I've had that in my, my life before, where I'm going after something and I'm believing God for something and I get a setback and I get a hindrance and I, then I get another setback. And I think, is it really worth it? Is it really worth Being in that place of faith and getting in that place of hoping and believing and trusting and hoping and believing and trusting, is it really worth setting myself up for disappointment? Setting myself up for failure? Is it really worth it? Can I tell you it is? It's worth it. Because living in that place of faith and dreaming is far better and healthier for you Than living in that place of mediocrity because you're too scared to have a big dream. I love to share this analogy, and I'm going to use the center of the church to do it. Imagine this here. Everyone, everyone look this way. If I walk past you, give yourself permission to look this way. Okay? So imagine this here, right? Imagine we're in an airport, okay? And you know those travelators? You know, the ones that you can get on and you can walk real quick, and it's so cool, right? Particularly if you've traveled, right? I don't know. Who here was ever a kid and you got on the travelator in the opposite direction, right? And you're trying to fight against that opposite direction, the travelator, right? Well, let me share this with you. This is one of my favorite analogies to do with educating people on the reality of life, because I think sometimes we have a false expectation around how life really works, even as Christians. Remember, Jesus always said, when the storms will come, not if. And so what he was really saying is, look, catch this. Life's hard, even with God. That's why you need God. Just because you have Jesus doesn't mean it's going to be smooth sailing, right? But because you have Jesus, you're going to be able to overcome the storms, right? And so the reality is, is life is actually like a travelator that's going in the opposite direction. There is all types of resistance to actually gaining momentum in life, think about it practically, spiritually, relationally. You know why? Because we live in a fallen world. Because we live in a world who has anyone noticed that the world is not one hundred percent whole? You never noticed that that there's some stuff that's wrong with the world? Have you noticed that, Raymond? Yeah, I've noticed that, right? I'm sure when you do work for clients, right, and they start to annoy you, you notice that, <laughs> right? And so this world is kind of broken, right? And so when you try to move forward in life, you actually have this kind of thing, this undercurrent called resistance that's always trying to pull you back. Has anyone felt this before? Have you felt this before, David? Right? Every time you try to go to take a step forward. Now, this is not just Christians. This is even non-Christians, right? But sometimes when you're a Christian and you're trying to expand the kingdom of God because you carry Jesus on the inside of you, and you want to see a promise of God in your life manifest. Do you know when you're going after the promises of God, what you're actually doing is you're practically attempting to expand the kingdom of God? Did you know that? See, God lives on the inside of you, and His Word is bread to your spirit. And when you read the Word of God and the promises says, like Joshua, you've got to take the land, brother you got to take the land, brother. you are got to take you and your family into the next place, brother. Right? When you believe and go, I'm going to go after that. I'm going to believe that. You're literally saying, I'm deciding in my call of my life, I'm expanding to choose to, to expand the kingdom of God. Right? And so what's important here is when we look at life and there's this, this kind of, you know, we're trying to move forward. And it's just hmm. move forward, Right? Who here has ever wanted to just chill in life? You know? Some people call it chillax. I want to relax and chill at the same time. I want to chillax. Right? And you just want to chill, right? Sometimes you want to chill. Who wants to chill? Come on. Who wants to chill spiritually? I know after doing 24-7 prayer meeting, then I want to chillax. Right? And not maybe pray for another day at all. Okay. So sometimes when we get really spiritual, ever been to a Christian conference and then you think, yeah, I'm not going to look at the Bible for another three days. (laughs) I just want to watch some reality TV now. (laughs) Never. Christian's shaking his head, right? But you know what I'm saying? We take two steps forward and sometimes it feels like we're taking one step back or even more. And so what I say to people is in a good, healthy way, we want to wise up. See, Jesus said, not if, but when. He wants us to wise up and go, for you really to be a person who is going to gain traction Right, see your dream. Go after your dreams. Be someone who's a, who's going after promises. You just got to know that there's a resistance. You just got to know up front there's resistance because when you know it, then you're better prepared for it, and you know it's not just a one little battle here and a one little battle there. It's kind of always going to be a fight of faith, right? You think about if you go into a war zone, but you don't really know that the enemy's after you, you're not going to be really prepared. Right? And when they throw in a grenade and it kind of blows your leg off, you go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. You hear what I'm saying? But if you go into a war zone and you know that there are things that will try and come against you, then you're better prepared and you're up and you're able to not only survive, but you're able to take ground. And so when we think about this analogy of the travelator, right, I want to say this to you. I think what happens is this. People realize whether they're Christian or not, but my passion is to get Christians because your kingdom advances. See, there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people out there who don't carry Jesus on the inside of them. And I think the saddest thing is some non-Christians are going after what they want in their life promises more tenaciously than Christians who carry Jesus in their life. Right? There are lots of non-Christians who are living in the land of mediocre and kind of don't kind of care, right? But there's lots of non-Christians going for it. There's lots of Christians not going for it. What do I mean going for it? Going for their dream, going for the promises. And they haven't got a revelation that when you as a man or woman of God are going after the dream God's given you, it's not just his idea. It's actually we're going to learn together. It's a partnership. Because some of us get really religious and go, oh, I can't have any ambition. No, the Bible says don't have selfish ambition, which is just all about you. And there's no plugging in to God's call in your life. But you can have ambition. The Bible says don't have ambition. No, the Bible says don't have selfish ambition. You're allowed to have ambition. You're allowed to have dreams. You're allowed to have desires. Even the Bible says that when you hang out with God and you're spending time with God, that the desires in your heart means that they're God's desires because you're in the Spirit. But a lot of us get really religious, don't we? Oh, I can't go after that. I can't believe that for myself because, you know, that wouldn't be what a, a good Christian would, would want. I wouldn't want to believe this for myself. I wouldn't want to believe for my career to go to this level because that's selfish ambition. No, that's ambition. As long as you're spending time with God. Boom! Why did I do that? Because there's a couple of people falling asleep. You know who you are, but I won't embarrass you. Maybe you were up at late night praying, amen. let's spiritualize it. (laughs) But the travelator, right? And once we realize this, life is actually, I am pursuing to gain territory, but there's a resistance here. When I step into my life and I'm walking this faith walk with God to gain traction and to go after the promises, go after the dream and to reach out and to, make territory, and to advance, if I don't expect that there's a force that's going in the opposite direction underneath me, I won't have the level of understanding and revelation that it's, 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 it's it's not just, oh, because I face a bit of resistance, I'm just going to stop completely, and, and I'm just over this, and because guess what, when you decide that you want to now live in the land of mediocrity, this is the bad news. I've got good news in a moment, all right? The bad news is, when you decide to make a permanent decision to live in defeat, you don't stay in that one place. You go backwards. And that's, as a Christian, you have to understand that revelation. So you have to be prepared to have a warrior spirit on the inside of you. Now, it's not always going to be 100% active, because who knows, Laurel. You're a natural fighter in the spirit. You know if you're fighting the whole time, you're going to wear out. You're going to have moments of rest where you're not fighting against the enemy. You're praising God. You're in his presence. You're in his word. You're feeding your soul. You, who knows that God rests on the seventh day, right? So I'm not saying you're going to always be fighting and always be fighting because guess, guess what? You will wear out, okay? You will not only just stay, you will fall over on the travel ladder and start to go backwards, okay? <laughs> right? So I'm not saying it's always about fighting, fighting, fighting because you're going to wear yourself out. But what I'm trying to say here is, is that if we can all awaken to this truth and wisdom and expect it to be tough, we set ourselves up mentally, spiritually in preparation for, well, just because I have a setback, just because it's tough, you know what? I believe my God, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And this is what I want to say to you. Where have you positioned yourself as a man or woman of God in the kingdom? I don't want you to think about where I... You know, the answer isn't Cooper's Plains, Brisbane, right? I'm not talking about wherever you position yourself geographically. I'm talking more in terms of your soul. We know where your spirit's positioned because it's born again. You're in the kingdom. Everyone say, I'm in the kingdom. I'm born again. But where has your soul... Where's your soul positioned in the kingdom? See, your mind, your will, and your emotions has to be in this position. You know what? This is my pathway. Jesus says it's a narrow pathway. But with him, nothing is impossible. But he says, not if, but when the storms come. My journey, walking with Christ, going after the dream, the God dream of my life, going after the promises of God, which is me choosing to practically advance the kingdom of God because he's living on the inside of me. And I'm partnering him with this dream and the promises he keeps saying go after. So I know that my spirit is in partnership with god my mind my will my my commitment and my emotions are either going to be in agreement with my spirit or they're going to start to get in disagreement that's the battle and i know that if i step out and i start to go for my dream in this season or i start to step in and i start to believe for that promise to manifest in whatever area it is in my life If I know that it's going to be a battle, it's going to be a fight. There's going to be resistance. All I need to know by expecting that, that my soul has got to align to this. I've got to keep believing. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep praying. I've got to look at the practical things that God's asking me to do. Be wise, plan, purpose my life. If I just keep moving, right, I'm going to get traction. I'm going to advance. And that's the key. Everyone turn to the person next and say, that's the key. And so God wants us to dream big dreams. To dream to do great things in the kingdom of God. And do you know what? Can I say this to you? It's not just about certain types of things that you might be hoping for. I want you to believe for what is it that God's asking you to go after? See some of you God wants you to go after family. That's a dream in your life. For some of you it's a particular calling. A sphere of influence. It could be ministry related, it could be non-ministry related. It could be marketplace related. It could be law. It could be media. It could be writing. It could be in manufacturing. Also, I want you to think about your identity, even your giftings, your supernatural giftings, to go after those things, to believe God for things to manifest around you. I want to read out this quote from Bill Johnson, who is the leader and founder of Bethel Church. And this quote comes from one of his books called Dreaming with God. Let's listen to this. It says, We've been given the capacity to dream, and more importantly, to dream with God. Many believers discount their desires, automatically trying to get rid of everything they want in order to prove their surrender to God. So what are we transitioning into? We're transitioning into Breaking out of religious thinking. Breaking out. I believe the reason why a lot of Christians actually live and have positioned their soul in the land of mediocrity and slip backwards is because they haven't given themselves permission to dream properly with God. Their dreaming is religious. It's this, oh, I can't really believe for anything that I would desire because that's not God that is a false truth turn the person next to you and so that's religious. religious let me share this with you i've shared this story before but i remember i was at a, a conference down in sydney i think second or third year as a christian and <clears throat> this is after i had just shifted out of remember i had that meeting with the pastor saying I believe God wants to bless others, but I'm just having an issue that God would want you know, to partner with me for a dream for my life. you know. And so i just broken out of that mindset through prayer and getting counseling and talking to some wise mentors around me. He just said, look, that's just false thinking. So I went down to this conference. It was a great atmosphere, beautiful sense of the presence of God. And one of the preachers was talking, and I've, with some of you that I've done mentoring with, you know this story already. He was talking about the story... In the, in the Gospels that talks about the table, the feast, right? That God was preparing a table. And as he was preaching this message, he was saying that many people in the body of Christ, when they think about this story, they think it's only just related to evangelism. And so they were saying that obviously, you know, when God uh, sent out the invitation He sent out the invitation first for people to come, but most of those people rejected the invitation. So then he sent out the invitation a lot wider. And a lot of people believe that the first invitation was to the Jewish people, and then there was a lot of rejection to the Savior. And so the second invitation means that to all the Gentiles, uh, the gospel, the invitation of having eternal life through Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for them. And so, yes, everyone say yes. Okay, the revelation of the, 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 you know, the, the table or the feast for people to invite was very much around you know, eternal life and the invitation to say yes to the gift of eternal life. Absolutely. But this particular preacher, you've got to understand, God is waiting for you to inquire of Him. God is waiting for you to inquire of Him. What do I mean by that? God is waiting for you to ask specific requests. I know my brother Solomon believes in this. He's waiting for you to ask specific requests because he wants to move in your life. And so I made this specific request. I'd just broken through the mindset that I can now believe that God will want to do something in my life. And so I said, God, I need to hear some type of a revelation for me. I need you to give me some type of a battle plan, some type of a strategy, some type of a goal, a focus, a dream, God. Give me something now that I'm ready. God, now that I'm ready to get on this travelator and I'm not thinking that, you know, I'm just supposed to live in the land of mediocrity and, and it's not for me to advance. Now that I believe, now that I have the revelation, God, that you and I, we can partner together. I'm ready to dream, God, but I need you to help me. What is the dream? Everyone, say inquire. I was inquiring of God. And so at this conference, it was so obvious to me, it was like a thunderbolt hitting my spirit when this guy was preaching this message. And he said, for all of those in the auditorium who are positioned to hear today, he said, let this be known. This message in the Bible that we're talking about right now is not just about eternal life and for evangelism. He said, but I believe there are some people right here that need to hear this. There is revelation in understanding the first invitation that went out but was rejected. And he said this, there were three people that God said that first invitation out to. Afterwards, he sent out to everyone, anything that was alive or breathing. Everyone say this, God is inclusive. But his first invitation was exclusive. Doesn't mean that his plan was to never do the second invite. Guess what? His plan was always to do the second invite. But his first plan was to be very specific in who he wanted to get the attention of. Catch this. The three people that he sent the invite, and you can read this in the Gospels, is he sent the invitation out to people who owned land. He also sent the invitation out to people who were married. And he also sent the invitation out to people Who owned oxen but toiled the land with the oxen, which in those times is like a business system. So he sent the invitation out to three different types of people in the community people that were married, people that had a business system, and people who owned land. And in this message, the preacher said, Do you see what God is trying to do when he's sending out the first invitation? He wants people in his kingdom with capacity. Everyone say capacity. Capacity. Does he want all the broken? Yes. Does he want all the lost? Yes. Does he want all the hurting? Yes. Does he want all the people who've got cursed identities and he wants to bless them? Yes. Does he want all the folks who will say yes? Yes. God is an inclusive God. And... God also wants people in his kingdom to have capacity. What do we mean by capacity? Capacity means they have, they're capable to carry a promise or a dream or an idea and birth something from it. They have capacity. Why does he want people of capacity in his kingdom? Now, if you're sitting here and you never catch this revelation, and for the rest of your life, you never seem to be able to break into any form of capacity and you're always living in broken street, guess what? The Lord will still love you and you still have an eternal life with Jesus. Amen. Isn't that cool? That's the good news. It doesn't matter what you do that earns the gift of God's grace towards your life. It is a free gift that you can embrace. But God says this, do you not know that he's waiting to see, are you going to inquire for how you want to respond to that grace? See, you've got the grace no matter what you do. But God says, I've given you the grace because I want you to become a person of capacity in my kingdom. Now, you can make that choice to go ahead with that plan or not. See, God will say to you, if you choose to live in the land of mediocrity all your life, well, that's your choice. I'll still love you and you're still part of my kingdom. Amen. See, it's not an an or. It's a, we've got eternal life and, but see, a lot of Christians don't catch the end. Because it's more challenging. Because it will require something of you. Watch this. There is no price you actually have to pay to take the gift of God's grace. You just have to make a decision. But there is a price you'll have to pay to walk in his promises. And so, Bill Johnson, again, his quote We've been given the capacity to dream, and more importantly, to dream with God. Many believers discount their desires, automatically trying to get rid of everything they want in order to prove their surrender to God. On that day, when I heard that story, God was saying to me, People who are married are in covenant. It takes discipline, it takes capacity to grow. And stay in covenant with your husband and wife. It takes capacity. It takes testing. It takes perseverance. It will test you. It will force you to pay a price. When you, when you have to get disciplined to the point, I mean, even in today's, you know, more so, to buy property today, Right? Do you know that the devil doesn't like it when Christians actually own parts of the, the earth? He doesn't like it. Because he thinks that this is his place. But you've got Jesus living on the inside of you. And when you actually have the government of the land writing a deed saying this is actually your, uh, you own, you have authority and ownership over this land. See, a lot of Christians just, oh, I thought it was all just about the grace. Well, it is. And, everyone say and. There's way more to the kingdom than just going to heaven forever. I mean, that's the great part. That's the start. Uh, To create a business system. To have a business. So in that moment, God said to me, Brad, two years ago, you were defeated. You were addicted to drugs. You had issues around your life. You couldn't pay your bills. You're a loser. You're a loner. From your own, he didn't say that to me, but from my own (laughs) self confession, he was joking with me at the time, right? Through your own self confession of being a loser and a loner, right? I have made you born again. You have come into the kingdom. You are now adopted. Now, son, I want to reveal to you three promises. And not just that these are not the only three. There's lots of promises in the Bible. But in that moment, he said to me, you are to own land. You're going to get married. Amen. And you're going to have a business. Because in that moment, you were looking at someone who only just broke through and believed that God wants something of me. Can I also say this? It is amazing and important to put value and emphasis on what people do in ministry. But it's also important to put value and emphasis on what they do outside of ministry. I think sometimes Christians only can put emphasis of value on their ambition in ministry and not enough on all the other spheres of their life. I wonder why their level of influence doesn't increase. Is ministry important? Absolutely. I've spent my whole Christian walk investing into ministry and growing the kingdom and spreading the gospel. Absolutely value it. Our home, our family will always serve the Lord. But I just want to bring a sense of tenacity around going after. To desire or hope for good things in your life is not bad. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Watch this. When you're into God... He'll give you the desires of your heart, which means this. Watch this. When you spend time with God and your heart's connected, not that you're perfect, but when you're spending time with God, you're wanting to generally have a relationship with God, then he says the desires that are in your heart that naturally rise because you're spending time with me. Watch this. It's not like God does this. This is where we get religious. Matthew, come into my presence. I am your Jesus And as you come into my presence, I will bestow into your heart every single religious plan that I have for you. And these are the plans. Never smile again. Never watch a movie. Never read an unchristian book. Come on now. Come on now. Now, we know that there are sometimes people who come out of a season and they need to have what we call... A moment out from that stuff. And it needs to be just, just the word, right? So you know, we. Are, I know there are a couple of people here, and you've been passionate for two years, not to read anything that's not the word, and that's good, right? Because you're you're in a uh, you're in a sanctification season. Everyone say amen to sanctification seasons, right? You're never allowed ever to want a nice car. Ever. You're not allowed to want to ever, <laughs> you ever want your own home because that's worldly. You should never spend money on going on holidays. You must sit down on your knees and pray 9.5 hours a day. And if you fail... you hearing what I'm saying? Everyone say pendulum pendulum swing. Now, some people who are, call themselves Christians, are too worldly, right? They go over here and it's just like, It's all about how I look. It's all about how I dress. It's all about how I smell. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. It's all about what I drive. It's all about what I live in. It's all about who I hang with. Yeah, yeah. Right? Everyone say worldly right everyone say religious okay everyone say balance, balance. so you're going to give yourself a mission to have ambition right partner with god and all the promises of god are not just going to be about right it's not all going to be just all spiritual there's going to be some stuff that god says you know what well, the reality is having a home and owning a business or a career and having a wife or a husband, that is spiritual. But sometimes we don't think it's spiritual enough. Desires. Hey? Yeah, well, thank you. I'm glad my wife here; she's keeping me on track. Psalm 37.4, Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Amen. <laughs> Um, the next point I want to highlight is to dream extraordinary dreams, we must know the extraordinary love of God. This is, this is what will help us to keep the balance. Uh, let me share this with you. When I have gotten out of balance, right, there's times that I've gotten religious with my own dreams and promises I'm believing for, and there's times when I've gotten more worldly. Okay, what will keep a check in your heart is your relationship with God and your, uh, your, your revelation that God is for you, right? See, when you start to think that God isn't for you, you'll start to strive and do it in your own strength. But also when you think that God's love for you is all about your performance, you'll get religious. And you think, oh, God won't love me if I have that desire. You know, God won't love me if I'm if I wanna, you know, build my career, because that's a bit selfish. Well, but when you're with when you're with God and God's encouraging and saying, Come on, son, come on, daughter, I've got a new level for you in influence in the marketplace. I, I I want a promotion for you. He's your father. He loves you. And again, I think this is part of the battle for our soul. Because this is where sometimes we can be deceived. Where we're either going this way and get religious, or we're going worldly because we're feeling, you know what, I don't want to trust God anymore. John Bevere uh, wrote a book called Extraordinary, and he says in that book, There's one person above all others who desires an extraordinary life for you. He's a father who delights, like any good father, in the achievements and happiness of his children. His name is God. His name is Jesus. Okay, let's uh, go into a bit of a speedo mode. All right, here we go. Point number three is, even if our dream is from the Lord, there will be opposition. I've talked about the conveyor belt. But in verse 5 and verses 6 and 7, looking at Genesis, we're going to go there. Verse 6, this is back to Joseph's dream. Listen to this dream he announced. He starts to tell his dream to his brothers. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. My bundle stood up and then your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before it. So you're going to be our king, are you? His brothers taunted. And they hated him all the more for his dream and what he had said. Verse 9. Then Joseph had another dream and told his brothers about it. Listen to this dream, he said. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. Verse 10, this time he told his father as well as his brothers, and his father rebuked him. What do you mean? His father asked. Were well, your mother, your brothers, and I actually come and bow before you? Verse 11, but while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father gave it some thought and wondered what it all meant. So, what we learn here in Genesis chapter 37, verses 6 to 11 that I just read out is number one, Joseph was hated and taunted by his brothers and rebuked by his father for his dreams. Sometimes the people who are closest to you may actually be a little bit too familiar and won't actually give you permission to go after your dreams. Now, it's important to keep wise counsel around us. This is why, keep this in check. Don't be getting counsel from people who are too familiar with you. Don't be getting, um, Senior Pastor Julie preached this a couple of weeks ago and she said, you know, be careful with your friends. Well, actually, I think it was Pastor Sarah. You've talked about friendship. And you were talking about the importance of making sure with your friendship, it's not all about your peers. Have mentors. Because sometimes your friends or people who were familiar with you, and sometimes it's your blood relatives, bless them. But sometimes they might think, well, that's not possible for you because you've failed for 10 years in a row. How can you believe for greatness? Now, sometimes they might speak life into you, but sometimes they might go, "Mm, yeah, no, I think... Come on, calm it down there a little bit. Calm the farm. You're getting a bit excited. This is why we're going to make sure we protect our dreams. Don't let someone else's disapproval or jealousy or lack of understanding hinder you from dreaming. Can I tell you that that dream that got in the inside of my spirit and I, 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 I battled, my soul went into battle mode for years, and is still in battle mode. I'll tell you why. Because I'm happily married. We have land. But the business is going well, but we're currently hit a ceiling. And we're in breaking through mode. And right now, some days I wake up going, Yay, God, we're going to break through. And some days I wake up going, Oh, why is it not breaking through? So the battle never stops. I'm telling you, it never stops. You may think, oh, but you've broken through, you've got so many great things. Going. Yeah, but you know what? God's actually asking me always to carry the next dream. You'll always call to be a dream carrier, even if some dreams that you've already carried have manifested. God would never want you to start to feel mediocre, He always wants you on the cutting edge to keep going after the next thing that He has for you. Why? Because if you get too comfortable, then you'll actually go backwards. See, if I don't have something that I'm going after with God, I won't have a reason to pray like I need to pray. I won't have a reason to press into God. Come on now. He knows that's how we're designed. He knows that we have to be motivated to want to spend time with Him. And is it because we just want things from Him? No, because we want to spend time with Him. But when we spend time with Him, then it helps to cement those desires. Thank you, sir. Winston Churchill failed the sixth grade. He did not become Prime Minister of England until he was 62, and then only after a lifetime of defeats and setbacks. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. He tried over 2,000 experiments before he got it to work. A young report asked him how it felt to fail so many times, and he said, I never failed once. I invented the light bulb. It just happened to be a 2,000-step process. The rest of Joseph's story. Joseph was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery by his brothers. He ended up working for Potiphar and was falsely accused of raping his wife. He ended up in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph. Finally, he ended up working for the Pharaoh in the palace and his dream came true. Everyone say this. Finally, his dream came true. And I want to say this to you. Protect the revelation in your heart. What are you going after? And do you understand that God is for you? And do you know that God loves you? And do you know that God wants you to be a great dream carrier? And so now we're going to finish off by looking at what we call the dream test. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is now the dream test. You're about to go through 10 questions, and I want you to answer them honestly. If you can answer them honestly, you'll get breakthrough, and it will bless you. If you don't answer them honestly, well, then you'll have to have a conversation with Jesus. Okay, is everyone ready for the dream test? Turn to the person next to you and say, "It's okay to be excited at the end of the sermon." <laughs> <laughs> it's almost going to end, people. You'll soon have your barista-made coffee in hand. <laughs> okay. Now, first of all, I have to give credit where credit's due. Brad Power did not create the dream test. Okay, this is from John Maxwell. All right, and uh, it's so good. Uh, I'm, I am want to take you through it. So uh, he wrote um, a series of teachings called Put Your Dream to the Test, okay? Now he's a senior pastor, everything's founded on the Word, but this is very practical. And it's a great way for you to think, well, am I currently positioned as a dreamer? And if I do have a dream, what are some good wisdom filters to take it through to make sure that my dream is positioned in a healthy biblical way so that I'm pursuing it in a way that it it can manifest. Number one, so you can take photos of the screen if you want to, but can I just say this is a great little system for you to think about. You know, I even went through this just the other day when I was reviewing it going, you know what, there's a couple of these that I need to work on. Number one, the ownership question. Is my dream really my dream? Ordinary people can live extraordinary lives when they follow their dreams, successful people, those who see and seize their dream, love what they do and and do what they love. Is what you're dreaming for actually your dream or is it actually the wishes of someone else? Are you trying to meet the expectation of someone else and you're ignoring actually what your dream is? It's important. Is it your dream? See, then this helps us to get out of religious mode, doesn't it, right? God wants you to dream about the things that, you want to dream about as long as it's not worldly and it's biblically aligned god's going to be for you so is it actually your dream because if you keep trying to chase someone else's dream because you can not trying to live up to someone else's expectation you're going to hit a brick wall at some point who believes that number two the second question is the clarity question Do I clearly see my dream? This is kind of what I was asking at the beginning of the message. Do I clearly see my dream? Begin by writing a detailed description of your dream. Make your dream measurable. For example, when I got that revelation of those three things, I could clearly see my dream. I didn't instantly have a picture of Sarah in my mind, right? Because I hadn't thought of Sarah in that way yet. Thank goodness, because you weren't eighteen then, so that was good. That would have been illegal, not only unspiritual but illegal, <laughs> right? But let me—I won't be distracted by that. Okay. Do I, But but the whole sense of okay, uh, God God has a future wife for me, and I'm going to be um, I'm going to be a family man. So you got to understand, I came from a family of divorce. Just before I came into the kingdom, I actually decreed over my life. I didn't even know what a decree was that I would never get married. When I came into the kingdom, God had to break that off my life because I didn't believe in marriage. I thought I was always doomed to failure. And so I had clarity. Yeah, I'm going to go after it. I no longer was hesitated. I'm like, no, God has this for me and he's right timing. I'm not going to try to do it my own strength. Right, But his right timing on it. So I started to pray into my future wife, pray over my future children. I started to see it as a very real promise. Faith is evidence of things not yet seen in your physical realm, but in your spiritual realm, you see it. I started to see that I would own property, even though I still had files of bills <laughs> that I hadn't paid. I started to believe and I started to see that. I started to see myself as someone who would have a business one day. And even then I knew the business that I wanted was a training and coaching and speaking and consulting business. And I pray, God, I would travel to nations and different countries and I saw myself on a plane going and traveling to do client services. So this works, this works. Number three, the reality question. Can I just ask Kevin to come with a little bit of guitar just as we come to a close? Number three, the reality question. Am I depending on factors in my control to achieve my dream? So am I thinking it's all up to me? Am I thinking, you know what? Can I tell you this? The days that I get up going, is it really going to break through? God, it's kind of been at this level for a while now. It's because I've slipped into... Well, I think I just have to do it all on my own strength. My wife knows that. Because that can be a weakness of mine. I'll just try and make it happen. You need to reach far beyond what you're capable of. But at the same time, base what you do also on your strength and other factors within your control. That's the wisdom. There's a balance there. That right there is it's a God, and new thing. Right? For example, I loved tennis so much that I could have dreamed, God, I want to be like the next Federer. Yeah. Right? But if I look at my actual strengths, I'm okay at playing tennis, but I'm not that good. <laughs> right? So that would be a bit foolish. You hearing what I'm saying? So it's the balance there. Yes, you should dream for something that's beyond your capability but it should be within your strength zone your gift zone because there's a reason why god gave you those strengths and gifts because it's got something to do with your destiny i'm so passionate about this next part because i love mentioning but when the bible says that he knew you knew you in your mother's womb right he formed you do you know that the reason why he chose your parents gabby it's not just because He knew Adam and Sarah would love you and be great parents, but there's something in Adam and Sarah's bloodline DNA that helped to manifest the giftings in your life that's linked to your destiny. Do you know that that's why God chooses your parents? Not just because He wants your parents to love you, but there's something in them, in their bloodline combined together that's required in you for you to manifest the call of God in your life. Isn't that cool? And that will bring healing to anyone's heart. If you're sitting here and you've got, whether your parents are still here or maybe they're past, if ever there's a sense of healing required in your life to do with your parents because maybe they didn't live up to expectations, or maybe you're a parent and you're feeling like you haven't lived up to the expectations of your own children, take heart to know that your purpose in being the parent of your child or the parents being their parents of you is not just because of who they are and their personality, but something in the bloodline of that generation was required for your child. Number four, the passion question. Does my dream compel me to follow it? So there are days when I get out of bed and I think, oh, Do I have to, do I have to keep going with what I'm called to do, to teach and train people in the marketplace? But then when I remind myself, I love it. I love this. There are some days I love it less, but I love it. That's what drives you through those darker stages when you feel like you can't see the way forward. The passion question. Number five, the pathway question. Do I have a strategy to reach my dream? The real difference between a dream and wishful thinking is what you do day to day. Who knows that God is a God of planning? He's a God of strategy. He's a God of tactics. He's not a God of poof. It just manifests in front of your eyes. Now, sometimes God is a God of suddenlies. But if you look at every suddenly in the Bible, there was always a pathway before the suddenly, and it usually was people paying the price of praying, interceding, prophesying. Miracles can happen. But can I say this? Particularly to a church that loves the prophetic, a prophetic move of God, never think that the prophetic should replace a plan. They work in partnership. See, when God prophesies over you through a vessel, the truth is, through love, that that prophetic word isn't necessarily always going to manifest. Because it's what you do to partner with that prophetic word in faith. I think that's why sometimes so many people receive prophetic words but live in the land of disappointment. Because it's the potential that God's prophesying. So please understand, prophetic people should also be strategic people. They also should be people who plan. I think sometimes Christians label planning as, oh, you don't believe in God. You're trying to do it in your own strength. It's always about the balance. Number six, the people question. Have I included the people I need to realize my dream? Again, Pastor Sarah, when she was talking about friendship, The people you hang around, the people that you build relationship with, the people that you make covenant with in your local church, your family, your community, your workplace, who you hang around will influence who you become. Do you know that there are some giftings and anointings in some of the people in this house that God has positioned you here because you need to catch and glean from those giftings and those uh, anointings? I remember in my old church that I grew up in, and I served there for 11 years, I had one mentor, his name was Andrew. And he taught me how to get my head around managing my money. And he was very more detail oriented than I was. And he would hold me accountable. And at times I didn't like about it. But the discipline that I have and the urgency I have around making sure that I manage my finances faithfully was birthed by that mentor to the people question. Number seven, the cost question. Am I willing to pay the price of my dream? This is a big one. Because a lot of times the cost will be like on that travelator. And what you feel like doing is you feel like just giving up and just sliding backwards. Doesn't mean you can't have moments of rest. But my requirement, my question mark or comment is this. Actually jump off the travelator into the presence of God. That's how you rest. Jump off. The travelator have a moment breathe refuel refresh with the lord and then jump back on the travelator don't just stay in that place of defeat and then slide backwards so rest is important but understand are you willing to pay the price it's going to require discipline it's going to require hard work it's going to require lots of great things from you in partnership with god Number eight, the tenacity question. Am I moving closer to my dream? Which means, do I know the importance of continuing and going forward and continuing? If anyone wants to watch a great documentary on tenacity, it's just come out. It's Andrew Murray, the UK tennis player who's currently injured. He's been going through battling to overcome his uh, leg issues and he's had surgery upon his hip surgery upon surgery and you see the journey of this guy and his mental battle with what i mean this guy has more tenacity than most christians do you know that's what really saddens me most is that sometimes people in the world have the requirements that we need to partner with the spirit of god they don't have the spirit of god but they advance more than what christians do in their calling because so many christians just don't want to pay the price for their promises. And I think it's because they take the grace of Jesus Christ and think, well, that's it. That's all I need. But how we respond to the grace of God is saying, God, I'm going to give it all to go into these promises. Number nine, the fulfillment question. Does working toward my dream bring satisfaction? It's going got to make sure that working towards your dream actually satisfies you. I used to coach an accountant who for years did accountancy. He was a Christian. And then he came to me and realized, you know what? I don't like this. It doesn't satisfy me. And this was linked back to what his parents were wanting him to do. And so he got to the age of 45 and hit a realization wall. I don't want to do this anymore. And this is all I've ever trained for. Number 10, the significance question. Does my dream benefit others? Awesome. Can I ask the team just to move this one? Thank you. You're right. Great. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the the teaching this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that uh, you love us so much. And you're an amazing Father towards us. Lord, we pray boldly that there were specifics in the Word this morning. Lord, to help people here today. Lord, you don't want us to remain where we are, but you want us to move forward. And so, Lord, I I thank you, God, that, Lord, you're just doing a work right now in people's hearts. Father, you're helping people again to realize that we are dream carriers. We're called to be on the cutting edge, pursuing your promises, God not just staying in defeat or thinking, you know what, I'm just going to live a mediocre life. I'm not going to carry a dream or go after the promises of God because I'm too afraid of the, the, the disappointment that may come. No, Father, we are dream carriers, Lord. We're on the edge, Father. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would stir within people, Lord, that fresh heart, Lord, to be dreamers, Lord, to dream again. I thank you, Lord, that nothing is impossible with you. And Lord, that you love us. Lord, you favour us. Lord, you want the best for us. Lord, you want us to be able to be people who step into the the future with uh, a chasing after of those dreams. And Lord, it's in partnership with you. It's, Lord, not of our own strength, that it's not completely just you, Father, but we partner with you. And Lord, when we spend time with you in your presence, Lord, Lord, the desires that are in our heart, Lord, you say that you'll give them to us. So Father, it's not about having selfish ambition, but it is about having ambition. Thank you, Lord.